Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot 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 writer, foster care advocate, and today a 16th birthday planner. Oh, How fun. is that possible? I know they were babies. Yes. And I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today a mom and media LLC tax preparer. So I'm really sorry, Missy, but I think we might be going to jail. So get, get a manicure, get your, I'll get my back. stuff organized. Yeah. Whatever you need to do, get your papers in order. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. We are so excited that Jennifer King Lindley is on the show today. Jennifer is a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, editor of more than 25 years. Her writing appears regularly in Real Simple, O, The Oprah Magazine, Parents, Martha Stewart Living, Good Housekeeping, Health, Family Circle, and many other publications. She has written about everything from rent to chickens to fear of clowns. <laughs> Two things I'm super interested in, <laughs> but focuses on parenting, psychology, and health. Her book, Find Your Joy, is packed with actionable tips from leading experts in the emerging fields of positive psychology on topics like self-compassion, finding your purpose, savoring, gratitude, everyday mindfulness, and the book is just so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Pretty. Yes. She graduated <laughs> from Dartmouth College with a degree in English and has an MA in English Literature from Boston College. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh -oh. I'm so happy to be here with you. We are so excited to be talking to you and we're so excited about this book, Find Your Joy. We are a sucker for a pretty book. A real. <laughs> we, yeah, I have a hard time and actually I should, oh, you know what? I might. Have I haven't written it. in it yet. I'm I've doing it right notes. here, Missy. I learned from yeah. Brene Brown that when you have such a pretty book like this, sometimes people are hesitant to actually write in it. Mm. So what she has people do is, and I'm going to do it right now. You just go in and you. <laughs> actually, Imperfection. She has people do a heart on it. So there's that. Uh -huh. And so it means that now you can write. Now Anything's going to be it. cuter than that little heart that I just wrote in there. A great tip. <laughs> so we learned a little bit about you from your bio, but no, there is a ton more about your story. So can you share a little bit about like, what did you want to be a writer when you grew up and how your career started and uh, all the stuff? Yeah. The well, I was an English major in college, so I knew I wanted to go into publishing. I started my career as an editorial assistant at a magazine now long defunct called New Age Journal. Mm -hmm. And um, it was set in like an old warehouse behind a McDonald's above <laughs> a leather and fur shop. So it was a strange place for a new agey publication. Oh my um, goodness. I love it. <laughs> the ads I recall were very woo woo, as you would expect, like crystals channeling, but the editorial, the stuff we wrote about was considered sort of fringy then. And now it's mainstream um, mindfulness, the body mind connection, organic food, environmentalism, all this stuff is like everyday things we all are concerned about. But at yeah. the time it was considered, you know, new agey. Um, so I was there for 10 years. I worked my way up to executive editor eventually. And it was, I always say it was like interning in an emergency room. Um, <laughs> it was a small staff and there was, uh, you know, un underfunded. So we 
we're always like rewriting things at the last minute, going through the slush to see if there was something to fill a hole in the magazine. But I got, you know, uh, lots of practice in writing and editing and met a lot of people that I'm still in touch with today. So I did that 10 years and then um, in Boston. And then I moved to South Bend, Indiana as the trailing spouse. So at that point, when we moved, we had a toddler, um, my daughter, Hannah. And two years later, once we had settled, I had a second child, my son, Ethan. So during that move, I shifted to being a stay-at-home mother for four or five years, which my thinking was like, not everybody's going to get self-actualized at once. Um, you know, <laughs> trying to get tenure and, you know, little kids having a baby. So I was home and didn't do anything, you know, work-related for five or six years. So that relate. was good and bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was wonderful to have that, that opportunity to be home, but at the same time, I kept having this dream that I had a horse in a barn that I was forgetting to feed and water. Um, Oh, like like a literal dream. Like this wasn't like like a a dream. Like I would have this (laughs) recurring dream, which sort of said to me, um, like there's something I'm not taking care of. There's something I'm not nourishing. Now, do you think you were more in tune to listening to that message because you had been kind of immersed in this world of this, not the woo woo, but the, uh, you know, thinking about these things? I do. I am really interested in dreaming. I've had the chance to write about it over the years. And, you know, there's a lot of different theories about does dreaming really mean anything? But Mm -hmm. I think there is a consensus that if you can harvest it for the meanings you bring to it during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And anytime I have a recurring dream, I pay attention to it. I yeah. just told Missy, I've been having dreams about vacuuming. So I think that is the the world telling me that it's time to clean the house. Yeah. It's well, pretty bad when you're dreaming about <laughs> vacuuming. I, for like the last year, I have consistently dreamed that I've forgotten Christmas. Like it's Christmas oh. Eve and I have not done anything. And I know it comes from some sense of not feeling prepared but mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not prepared for. I haven't quite figured that out. Well, my whole Christmas. life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so what, no, who's your do, horse then? Who's your horse? And um, well, I was dreaming of my childhood horse, so I didn't actually literally have a, mm. a horse at the time to be neglecting, mm-hmm. but to me it was, you know, there was something that was, something. wasn't being fed, um, mm-hmm. that I, that was nagging at me. So I guess I'd say it was a great, it was great to be home, but I also felt sort of something was missing uh, yeah. by doing that full time. I just think there was like five years. I never got in a state of flow, mm-hmm. like where you mm-hmm. never just kind of lose yourself in a thought. It's always like yeah. the next crisis. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a good explanation of it. It is definitely life with small people in your house for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when my son started uh, kindergarten, the first, well, the horses are a theme here. The first um, piece I wrote as a freelancer was for Family Fun magazine. And it was an essay about getting back into riding once my daughter took lessons. Um, mm-hmm. I had like good mom, slept her off, was watching her ride around in this, you know, friendly old quarter horse school horse. And I'm like, I want to be up there. Yeah. Um, I love that. Cause yeah, we do. We talk about that all the time. We spend so much time trying to explore our kids' interests and seeing what what they're into and letting them test things out. And we don't often give ourselves the permission to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, a good thing about living in South Bend, Indiana, the cost of living is such that I could take writing lessons myself. You know, I wasn't living in Boston anymore. Um, Location, location, location. So (laughs) I I wrote about that and just going from watching her on the sidelines to getting back up in the saddle after 20 years of not riding. So from there, I started freelancing for parenting titles. Then as the kids got older and I got less interested in parenting psychology, I started writing for more on health and wellness for Real Simple and other other titles. And now I focus mostly on wellness and uh, health, relationships, psychology, including positive psychology. I spend a lot of time talking to researchers researchers and psychologists, and then translating that into actionable, accessible stuff for readers. So I've been doing that since, you know, for 15 years. I've, I was remote before remote was even cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're a trend pioneered the remote work. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what I'm doing. And then in 2019, Hearst, who publishes Prevention, approached me to write a guided journal. Um, and I was, you know, very, very excited for that opportunity. And I wanted to focus it on the field of positive psychology, because there's so much interesting stuff that can really make a difference in people's lives if they practice it. So that was a great experience. Yeah. We want to talk a little bit about positive psychology. We've, we had a guest on Ann Emig who Mm -hmm. focuses on positive psychology, but I still think it's a term that a lot of people are not familiar with. We really hadn't heard it before talking to Anne. You're the second person we've heard it from. So yeah, we're on trend now. So (laughs) if you can tell our listeners a little bit about what is positive psychology and how does it differ from other approaches to something like finding your joy? Yeah. So traditional psychology is focused on, you know, just to grossly simplify it, to focus on making you feel better if you're feeling sad, anxious, depressed, um, or working through problems in your relationship, in your life. And thank goodness for regular traditional psychology. I've certainly benefited um, from therapy over the years myself, but positive psychology takes uh, a different approach. It, the founder was Martin Seligman at UPenn. Um, the idea behind it is there are interventions and practices that are skills that we can learn that will help us not just feel not bad, but to flourish and thrive. Mm. Um, and the research that, you know, they study these things, things like gratitude, self-compassion, which I love savoring. Um, these are steps and practices you can take that can actually lift your mood if you're disciplined about it. So it's really about how can we be better than well? We don't have to be satisfied with just being not feeling terrible. We can, you know, practice resilience and thrive even during difficult times. I love Love that. that. That's a beautiful way of putting it. It's a great explanation. I think one of the things that we had talked about with Anne, and I'm still want to make sure that listeners have a clear idea about this is the difference between like, we've heard of toxic positivity, where it's just like, no matter what's going on, just put a smile on. So the difference between positive psychology and toxic positivity, kind of mm-hmm. what, how would you differentiate there? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I guess one way to answer it is when I speak with, for instance, gratitude researchers, 
I've often talked to them about what happens when life is imperfect. Like, how do you still feel gratitude or savor something when life is imperfect? Mm -hmm. And the idea isn't just to paste on a big smiley face, um, because anytime you bury feelings, they just emerge somewhere else. Yep. Um, usually with in, in some way that isn't very, you know, functional. <laughs> um, so you can, you can sort of feel feelings, metabolize them, not deny the negative, but actively search for the positive um, mm. as well. Because as you probably know from talking to previous guests, you know, we're wired to look for the tiger and not the flower because, you know, our, our early ancestors that were on the lookout for the tiger survived to reproduce. And the ones that were like, oh, this is such a beautiful daisy um, got eaten. <laughs> so, and even today, um, you know, what is neg what's negative in our lives tends to command our emotional attention because mm. we're trying to protect ourselves. So our brains almost get wired to look for the negative. So in doing things like practicing gratitude, savoring, appreciating awe, you're sort of retraining your brain to shift it away from, you know, a real negative perception of what's going on around you to a more balanced and positive one. I love the idea of retraining your brain. I think I very eloquently said on a recent episode, I like brain stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sure that's the name of a college course. somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brain stuff 101. Um, I just, I love that idea. And we like to talk about specific ways, which you've mm -hmm. mentioned a few. I would love to know, is this a practice that you have to do for six months to notice a difference? Is it a practice you do for six days to notice a difference? Like, is there a general timeline or does it depend on the individual brain? I think it will probably help everybody, but it's not like in three months, you're going to come out with your brain all dry cleaned. Um, you know, Aww. some people yeah. I think are more, um, you know, start on the more negative side of the spectrum. But I, I think like with any practice, the more you do it, the more you will internalize it. And so some examples of what researchers and therapists have told me to do is, um, it sounds a little cheesy, but I've tried it and it's actually useful. Um, go on a, have a gratitude list. So every day you have to find 10 things to be grateful oh. for. And it can be small, like, like they did such a beautiful job on my cappuccino froth. Um, it doesn't have to be like yeah. health and, you know, right. wealth. Right. Um, and one of the people I interviewed even writes a list. Um, she keeps a running list and it's sort of training your brain, which you like, um, <laughs> to be on the lookout for the positive. Yeah. And like over time, that will be your vantage point. A another useful activity is to go on um, an awe walk. Um, there's a lot of research on the benefits of awe, which is taking time out of like the day-to-day -day hustle and looking around for things that sort of blow your mind. I mean, that's what they, mm. they say. Like an example is you're, you're flying, you're looking at the window and you see the earth as a little speck. You see your house as a tiny speck. Mm -hmm. That's going to put like the typo you made in your email into perspective. Um, or you can feel awe when you see like a, a beautiful pattern in nature or mm -hmm. um, an, a profound act of kindness. So uh, one of the things that's been recommended to me is taking an awe walk, like leave the phone at least zipped up and out of your attention and look for 
just things that to really inspire you as you um, W A L K your D O G. We had one that learned to spell that. Oh, okay. I'll, well, uh-huh. this one's a puppy, she was so real smart, and we were like, <laughs> we have to call it something different now. <laughs> but be like, even today, I'm in South Bend, Indiana, and the, I'm beginning to see tulips just peeking out a little bit and um so just taking the time to look around for the beauty will kind of start getting you in that direction and it's sort of you're putting positive deposits in the bank so you can deal with the negative stuff we all have and the world has right oh i love that so it's not toxic positivity in the sense of everything's great things are as they should be it's more like things are imperfect how can i nonetheless feel better and thrive as people who are so prone to doom scrolling and i'm speaking about <laughs> myself and suzanne mm-hmm. um yes i think that's just guilty. so important to yes, so be guilty. able to take some time and focus on something besides the yeah is there is there things. a method for as much as you're looking for the good to like stop yourself like missy was saying from the doom scrolling I mean, I know I'm doing it and I know it's not great, but like, is there, I don't know how to, I need someone to manually come and take my hand off of the phone. Right. I think you just have to not do that. I know. (laughs) Well, I was talking to a therapist this week about the state of the world. And she said, well, she has put herself on a media diet. Mm -hmm. Like she says, she checks media once a day, like at noon for half an hour. And that's it. Like she has the discipline. She'll, she's keeping abreast of things. She's not putting her head in the sand, but she's not just getting roiled up by the constant. And she said, you know, if something huge happened, I would know people would tell me. Yes. That's so true. And I like that she does it at noon. Yeah. You know, like it's a terrible way to start your day and it is a terrible way to end your day. So let's just do it at noon. And then you have time on either side of that to get your Mm -hmm. head on straight. Mm -hmm. But, and then also, I just want to go back to this awe walk. Um, (laughs) I just think that's such a beautiful thing, especially because, you know, a lot of our listeners are busy moms. Some of them, Hey, have brand new babies and they're not Mm -hmm. like in a place where that they can, you know, take off to a spa retreat or, you know, go get a massage or all these things, but just that's something you can do with the kid in a stroller, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe even start teaching them the practice from an early age. Be like, hey, mm-hmm. let's look for trees that look fun or clouds mm-hmm. that look like patterns or anything mm-hmm. like that. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, I interviewed somebody who does eco-psychology during, and this was like the beginning of COVID. We were all in our bunkers. Like we had no idea what was yeah. going on. She said, even opening the window and finding one bird to look at and really studying it, like looking in detail at its feathers, looking at its activities, even just looking at something out the window and taking a moment to focus only on that can be helpful. Mm. I'm kind of getting flashes of Olga Mecking was one of our guests in her book, Nixon. And so it's basically doing the Dutch art of doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, With a purpose. With a purpose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, the purpose Mm -hmm. of doing nothing. Um, And yeah, similar, just like, just look out the window at the bird or the squirrel. Gosh, I've been looking at a squirrel all day who's, I'm going to have to post some videos of this squirrel. And I moved a a bird feeder way up high on glass so that he could not reach it. But given the fact it is a squirrel, he will Tom Cruise. Yeah, he'll find Mm -hmm. his way to get up there. But my squirrel owes me $60 in bird food. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know. Yes. I know. I would think we have it rigged so perfectly and we will come out and it it's empty. They got to be and full. We by keep now. ours kind of behind. We have like a fence and then some green space back there. So we keep it in the green space. And so we can't automatically see. But if we go look over the fence, there's like a huge pile of stuff that they have dumped in the night and that they're now working on because it's much easier mm-hmm, than getting it mm-hmm. out of the feeder. They're such boogers. It doesn't have- matter what I've done, they get around all of it. I have no doubt he is currently out there like with his little claws on the suction cups. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a window mounted one, just like <laughs> oh my god. Just hearing you talk about like looking at a bird and studying it, I actually felt a release in my chest. Hmm. Like interesting. Just the idea of it. It t- mm-hmm. it tells me that there's a lot of value there. Yeah. Not even well, you'll for. you'll have to report back whether you stop having your Christmas preparation nightmare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd love to not dream that. I would love for one week to go by that I'm not like, oh no. <laughs> Here, here's your step, Missy, to getting with that go. dream. So I'm showing a copy of Jennifer's book, Find Your Joy, which it is joy is joy you can hold in your hand. Literally, this is the cutest little book. You could just hold it in your hand. And it the, is um, so beautiful. Another thing you can do, even if you're busy and have, you know, toting around babies and toddlers uh, is uh, express gratitude to other people. Mm. Um, that also has been shown to have powerful benefits, not just psychological, but health benefits. I did a piece for Health Magazine in November. Um, they, you know, gratitude's a perennial in November issues. Yes. And right. like the new super sauce of gratitude is expressing gratitude. So it's, you know, appreciating things on your own internally, writing about them has benefit, but expressing them to another person gives you like the warm feeling of gratitude plus a, the bonus feeling of connection. Yeah. Um, so it can be, um, you know, good for both of you, but also extra good for you. Um, I need to show you this book. You need to read this. Um, oh, it's oh. our friend Nancy Davis co-wrote the thank you project. And we had an episode with her and it was basically a a cultivating happiness, one letter of gratitude at a time. And some of them were letters that, you know, for Mm -hmm. herself or that she burned in a fire, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. the other ones were this idea of expressing it in the sense that she would send it to someone. And she's shared a really beautiful story of after her father had passed away, finding he had framed the letter that she had written to him, the letter Mm -hmm. of gratitude and just her knowing how valuable that was to him and how much it meant to him. And I mean, yeah. And it was just yeah. a letter. How, I mean, it didn't take a year to write. It was just a letter, but it yeah, no, that's, that's, them. Oh, I'll look for that book. That sounds great. So um, the, I don't know if she mentioned the, um, Amit Kumar's work at the university of mm. Texas at Austin. Hey, yeah. let's hey. go find him. Hey, let's hey. go find him. <laughs> um, he did us uh, like a, a quite, um, study that you know made headlines a couple of years ago, and the the takeaway was people tend to feel really awkward about writing thank yous, yep. but the recipients don't feel that awkwardness. People also worry, I'm not Shakespeare, this is going right. to be weird. And across the board, the reaction people had was very powerful, positive feelings. Nobody was like, "Wow, I don't think that was the right verb." They should have used. Yes, <laughs> and there wasn't any awkwardness to the exchange, right. and like you. Think about when you've gotten thank you notes, like random thank you notes from people over the years, like that will stick with you for a long time. And a lot of times yeah. you can be like, this is what I, this is why I do this. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it's, right. 
it, that it's such an affirmation to get one. So, um, so that's mm -hmm. important. Like if you, if, you know, great idea, writing notes or an email just about like, I was thinking back on how you really helped me when I, my first article and how you were so helpful, even though I didn't know what I was doing. And it's really helped me all these years. If you wrote something like that and sent it, wow, you're going to make somebody feel so affirmed. Also, there's really interesting work on showing gratitude to loose ties or even strangers. Um, mm -hmm. If you take a moment to thank your barista or who you see every day or the mail or the FedEx guy that always carefully puts the box, you know, out of the rain, take a minute and thank them. That's very good for, you know, they'll feel good, but it's also very good for your well-being. Several researchers study the benefits of thanking strangers, not in a smarmy way, but like, I see you. I <laughs> right, see yeah. what you they did. Just thank you. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's also um, not heavy lifting to do, but with big benefits. Yes. And I think especially right, right now, it's mm -hmm. hard to feel gratitude every day. Mm -hmm. And we can so quickly go to this place. I mean, I found myself there yesterday after a couple of text exchanges with friends where we were talking about the world and we were talking mm -hmm. about why is, why isn't this happening? And why does it look like this? And oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous. I just was like, mm -hmm. yeah. when you're in the habit of then turning around and finding these little moments to savor, mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, I could have more quickly gotten out of that moment of my, my stomach being in knots. I'm going to start working that into the text thread. It's just, yeah. Anytime I feel a spiraling, I'm just going to just all cap the word gratitude. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, and Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I Which love is that. pretty profound. And I always think of that every time something terrible happens. Oh, yes. I could talk about practicing gratitude all day. And I, I keep on saying it's the sign from the universe. It's just like, okay, Suzanne, take the hint. <laughs> take the hint. Every single coach you've talked to has said to do this. But one of the other things that you talk about in your book is discovering your purpose, mm -hmm. which I think is something that as busy moms, a lot of the times we don't even, we feel like that is a a luxury we don't have the time mm -hmm. right. to uh, get mm -hmm. into right now. So, you know, what, what kind of things do you see holding people back and how can they take that baby step today? Yeah. So purpose, I think tends to, the big picture tends to get lost because we're all so focused on the small picture, like, oh my gosh, the cat's out of flea medicine and what's my target list. And then, you know, um, one time my son needed a jumbuck costume the next day for a play. Um, you know, what is that? I don't know. And he comes home at like four. Um, so like we tend to just be in a, just going from one thing on the to-do list to the next. Mm -hmm. And we rarely take the time to step back and think about purpose and yeah. really thinking about your purpose is as simple as saying, I'm going to take a moment and think about, you know, what's important to me. What do I want my life to be about? So I talked to Anthony Burrow. I want to get this right because he, he's so smart. Um, he's at Cornell and he studies purpose and he's found just even asking yourself the question boosts your well-being because you are taking huh. a step back and thinking oh. about what's the big picture to my life yeah. and making time to do that. And he describes, um, I think of purpose like a compass. It's a guiding tool that helps me know where to go next. I'm never at North. I'm always forward looking. When you have a meaningful life aim, you wake up and think there's something I need to accomplish today. Um, oh. 
So, and he, he, as part of his research, he asked people to contemplate their purpose. And his simple prompt is, what do you find meaningful, important in your life? And ask people to, you know, write about it for a few minutes to focus on it. And it doesn't have to be, I want to cure cancer. I mean, if that is, then, you know, you go, but it can be, um, I want to connect people or I want to have more beauty in the world. Or, you know, I want to be the best um, mother I can to raise kind children. And once you can begin to articulate it, it actually helps your day-to-day stuff without feeling burned out. Because Mm. if you are like managing your kids fighting for the 15th time, if you know your purpose is, I want to raise kind children for, you know, for the world, then you can maybe step back and say, okay, how am I going to handle this in a way I can achieve that. Or Mm -hmm. if you're like, for me, when I think about my purpose, I think my purpose is to use my curiosity to learn and then share that in ways to help people's lives get a little better. So Mm -hmm. if I think about that, then I'm not quite as stressed out about my deadline or, you know, having 15 things to do, or if an editor gives me a um, feedback, I don't agree with, you know, just if you have a big picture, then mm-hmm. it helps the little stuff put it in perspective yeah. and deal with it easier. So another suggestion that has been shared with me for finding your purpose is think about a time in your childhood when you felt like pure joy and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And you maybe aren't going to like be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go build a tree house. That's my purpose. Gonna say, maybe playing Atari Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> There's your purpose. That's it. Um, so, but it's like, look with that. maybe it's building and being in nature, you know, like begin to get some translatable elements that you could maybe think about as your life purpose or what gives it meaning or where you're most you. Yeah. yeah. And we talk a lot about core values and the fact that you kind of occasionally need to check back in on those because they can change given circumstances having kids or getting divorced Mm -hmm. or the global pandemic. Is it the same kind of thing with this North star of purpose where it doesn't necessarily mean that it's static? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think um, Burrow means it in the sense that if you have a purpose, that's sort of like, I want to bring beauty in the world, how you do that might change a lot over Mm -hmm. your lifetime, but you, that's still sort of a guiding principle. Um, so it might change in lots of ways. I want to express my creativity that might change in lots of ways over your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. people have also told me when I talk about purpose, it's okay to make mistakes. Sometimes you find your purpose through trial and error and screwing up and taking wrong turns. So it's not like you're waiting for us, you know, a message to come down and give you your purpose. Sometimes it's just about giving stuff a whirl. Yeah. And I don't know where I received the message as a young person, but somewhere it came to me that mistakes were not okay. And I do not think it was my parents. I don't, but maybe this mom, dad, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) But um, I don't think that's it. But somewhere I got this message that mistakes were not okay. And I always had to know exactly what I was going to do. And it had to be the right thing. And it's really stunted me from thinking about bigger picture things. Like what is my purpose? What Mm -hmm. are my values? And I would think if I was going to define a purpose, well, then that is it. Mm -hmm. And I have to achieve it and I have to achieve it in a big way. And instead of any of that motivating me, it really just shut me down Mm -hmm. because it seemed too big and too overwhelming. And so I love this idea that 
It can just be a North star. Mm-hmm. And we don't all like, we aren't always right there. We always mm-hmm. get turned around and mm-hmm. we just find our way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause a compass, I'm mm-hmm. um, to use my English literature master's degree, uh, like a compass as a symbol is there because there's going to be rough waters because you're going to make wrong turns Mm -hmm. and you need some redirection back. Right. So, um, you know, mistakes are built into that. Yeah. Um, That kind of reminds me of Stacey Kim, one of our favorite people, Stacey Kim and the lighthouse method. Um, so it's this idea of this lighthouse is the idea that, you know, kind of the same thing as the North star, mm-hmm. you can't tell exactly where it's at, but you can kind of see it out there and you're, you know, you're heading in the right you general know, direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily that, you know, what that thing is. You just know that yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start heading in that direction and make these mm-hmm. little decisions along the way to get there. And so, yeah, I like that idea of this, whether it's your lighthouse or your North star, um, mm-hmm. but, but it, takes the time to actually sit down and think about it. And I love that you brought up that it actually is good for your well-being to just even ask the question. Because mm-hmm. I think to Missy and I, the feeling is that if we ask the question, like that's going to start a spiral of like, oh, it's not the thing I've been doing for the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. So what a big waste of time I've been. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to think about that anymore. So like, mm-hmm. how do you, I'm real bad about that backwards looking of like, well, if I'd only known this when my children were, you know, five, then I could have done so much better. And it's just that whole concept of a therapist said to me years ago, like, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? And when's the second yeah. best time to plant a tree today? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I can't Uh go back and plant that tree when they were five, but I can apply these things. Well, I I think for anybody who feels like existential anxiety, like, oh my gosh, what's my purpose? It needs to be a marquee letter purpose and it has to be (laughs) fantastic and impressive. Purpose researchers have also suggested like, just bring curiosity Mm -hmm. to the question. Just, Just be curious. What are the moments in my life where I felt most alive? What are the things I've done so far that have made me feel the best. Mm-hmm. And those are positive things to think about. Right. That aren't judging, you know, that doesn't bring judgment or I, this isn't good enough, um, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're feeling some purpose anxiety, then just sort of reflect in a curious way, just those moments where you felt like, wow, this is me. I'm being me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And write about them, you know, um, yeah. that can be one thing. And one of the um, things we were chatting about was maybe doing a, seven word autobiography um, <laughs> as a way to find your purpose. So that's suggested in the book. Um, mine is, when I played around with it, mine is wanted to be Marguerite Henry, almost there. And what <laughs> where I'm going with that is as a kid, I wanted, to, my fantasy was to be Margaret Henry, who wrote um, Misty of Chincoteague and all those books. Mm-hmm. Her, her office was right over her paddock and she could look at her horses as she wrote. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't quite get, you know, I don't have a horse to look out at, but I've got a lot of animals around me and I am a writer. Um, so like almost there, um, maybe yeah. I'll find a way to get horses to look out at sometime, but um you know, that is, that was fun to, to write. So writing a seven word autobiography can help sort of clarify who you are. Oh, I mean, it gives me great anxiety. 
I think I do have some existential woe (laughs) over this. No, I think, and I want to tie that in with one of the things you've written about and talk about is uh, the benefits of journaling. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny as writers, I feel like we always feel like our writing time should have this purpose of like something we're going to submit or that it has to be like perfectly Mm -hmm. edited. So I've kind of pushed it to the bottom of my priority list, but from everywhere from Julia Cameron's morning pages to just, I mean, there's science behind it that there are definitely benefits of doing it. And I think that would be a fun thing that would be a fun first journal prompt is working mm-hmm. through maybe that seven word bio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of, that was a fun exercise. Oh gosh. One of my friends was at a writing course where they had you, they had you write like a full personal essay or whatever. And then they're like, okay, now cut it in half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now turn it into a Facebook post. Okay, now turn it into a tweet. And so mm-hmm. it was taking this big idea and then boiling it down. So maybe it is if you're like, oh, I don't know those seven words, like start big, just ramble, 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 ramble. And then from there, cut it in half, cut it in half, cut it in half. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that would be that would be fun. Um, yeah, no, journaling is, d- did you all keep journals as kids? Yes, I did. Yes, um, and I mm-hmm. loved it. Where are they now? I burnt them because they were I so embarrassing. <laughs> I think mine are in my mother's attic and that's terrifying to think of. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I used to write pages and pages about my not very exciting life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of poetry. Um, so much angsty poetry I had. Oh, Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe stories. You know? Oh, well, see, Poetry's. you could get back into that sort of childhood. This is just for fun mind. Um, you know, there's, there is a lot of research on the benefits of journaling, making, um, like the, the one that's often quoted, James Pennebaker did a study of college students and had them write about a difficult experience for 15 minutes. I think it was three times. Um, they had, he had one group do that. And the other group was just could write about anything. And the group that did the journaling intervention after even six weeks later rated themselves higher in well-being and, in, and went to like the student infirmary less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's lots of thinking about why writing down problems can be helpful, even in an informal way. I think part of it is it gives you some distance from mm-hmm. the experience mm-hmm. if you're writing about it. Also, I did a piece on... Um, narrative therapy, which people are using like journaling as a therapeutic technique with patients, with clients. And I got to talk to uh, Nancy Snyderman, who wrote a book about how, what was it called? I can, I can send it to you. Um, It's a link, but she said, we are both the, and she does it as a therapist um, as well. She's also an artist, but she said, we're both narrator and main character in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of control over how we tell our story. Mm. So you can tell, she says like, for instance, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She could tell that story. It was terrible. I went off in a storm. My house got crushed. You know, my dog was hungry. But instead it's, or you could tell it as I met people. They, I learned my strength. I returned, I learned something about it. You know, we have a lot of control over how we narrate our lives. Mm. And so in addition to just rewiring our specific thoughts, I think thinking, this sort of goes back to purpose, doesn't it? Sort of thinking about a divorce or a loss or a setback in terms of how it was a struggle and what you learned from it isn't 
toxic positivity. It's really choosing to look at, you know, what strengths or what you learn from it instead of just feeling feeling icky. Yeah. 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 And I think for a lot of people, sometimes like there's nothing scarier than the blank page. So I think that's why a a guided journal or guided prompts like in the book, find your joy um, are so helpful because it's, it narrows it down a little bit for Mm -hmm. you. So it still, still gives you enough breadth to have it. There's some openness there to what you're going to be writing about, but it also reins it in. So it doesn't mm-hmm. feel so overwhelming and like you don't even know where to start. So highly. Yeah. Recommend. I still hate a blank page. I know they're so scary. And even when these pages are blank, they're still not blank because look at the beautiful <laughs> look at the illustrations and stuff are so gorgeous. So yes. Yeah. This book highly just makes me happy to look at. Like, this is like step one some days of Ah, like I just <laughs> feel some gratitude that I have this pretty book sitting next yeah. to me. If you don't have a bird outside, there's some on the cover you can look mm-hmm. at. <laughs> bird of happiness. I love oh, it. I love it. Oh, I love it. I feel like we only scratched the surface of things we can talk about. So I really recommend that our listeners go get their hands on the book. Yes. But where else could they find you? Um, so I'm a social media dinosaur lumbering slowly over the earth. Um, I'm on Instagram. I start, I got an Instagram when the book came out and I do post some stuff there. I have a website, jenniferkinglinley.com. And, you know, the book is widely available Amazon and elsewhere as, as well. Um, So that's, you know, where you'll find me when I'm not in my dining room. (laughs) <laughs> and your articles all over the place. So and yes. I think there's some links to those actually on the website too. So we will have links to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to go and check those out. But I think, yeah, it's just about time for the look, listen, learn segment. So if anybody is listening to the podcast for the first time, hello, we're so glad you're here. And uh, the look, listen, learns are time for us to just chat about some of the things that we are watching or reading or listening or learning about something you might want to incorporate into your lives. So Missy, just so we don't throw Jennifer right in uh, right away. Why don't you go ahead? Thank and you. First. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yesterday I started the dropout on Hulu. Oh, and yes. The scripted series about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos And I find that whole thing so fascinated. I have consumed most of the things written or created about that entire debacle. Um, And it's Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, I don't know how you say her name. Um, I'll look that up and put it in the show notes. But (laughs) she is Elizabeth Holmes. And really in moments, I find her almost unrecognizable. I had to, I thought that's who the actress was, but I had to go confirm it. Mm -hmm. Um, because she really just slips into this role and it's got a great cast a fantastic cast it's on hulu i think i said that and i think it dropped all the episodes i'm not sure but i made it through one and a half last night before i was just too tired to do another one but yeah um, and kind of like that inventing anna that i was talking about a Mm -hmm. couple look listen learns ago for people who aren't familiar with elizabeth holmes and theranos tell me if i'm right it's like a she basically said there was a blood testing service that she offered where like for a drop of blood they could test you for all these things that usually cost like thousands of dollars for blood tests for i mean she hoodwinked everybody investors everybody and the concept of it is amazing like how amazing if you could prick your finger and one drop of blood test for everything all kinds of stuff but Mm -hmm. they never could make it work and then kept trying to you know lie to people basically 
I think it's a really interesting commentary on this. She just had this extreme need to be successful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do think somewhere inside her, she wanted to help people. I, I don't think that wasn't, you know, that wasn't there. It was there on some level, but it was really about being successful. She couldn't even wait to get out of school to start this business. She wanted to be like other billionaires who had dropped out of school to start this business. And Mm, she just mm. had this immense hubris of like, of Mm. course I am. She was, she is, she is a very smart person, but some crazy mistakes. And that's, um, uh, that reminds me of um, purpose gone awry. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. She lost her North star big time. Mm -hmm. Like it was more about where she wanted to be on the star. Like she just, (laughs) she wanted to be the star. Yeah. Her her North star was, being big (laughs) and she didn't care how oh i want to see how she's super interesting person like how Mm. yeah i we could talk about it for a lot of psychology kind of fascinating a lot of psychology behind this person and then i have her father worked for enron and so there's some there's that part to the story and i just i just find some weird connections there and um i like i don't know i love it so worth checking out i will okay. i can't tell you for sure because i haven't watched the whole series you know sometimes you watch a whole series and you're like why did i do that um, <laughs> but so far i think so it's far, worth so checking good. out um and then i am listening to 10 percent happier with dan harris oh love him. podcast yes and it's mm. been around a while i want to say they're on episode 400 and something i mean it's yeah but he has full length episodes, but also has what he calls a ridiculous meditation. So I guess he, he took up meditation after having a panic attack on live television. Mm-hmm. And so I love the ridiculous meditation episodes. They're very short, you know, six to eight minutes, somewhere in there. But the one that caught my eye recently that I've been listening to is a serious case for humor. And it's mm-hmm. a discussion of the importance of humor in business and in life and how it could lead to success. And of course I love that because I have Mm -hmm. often felt broken in my life because I look at life through the lens of humor. Like I feel a little cracked in my head, you know, because I'm like, (laughs) I see something weird and funny in a moment that other people are like, no, this is not a Um, joke. And so I love this. It's very validating. There's something, there's something good about that. That's me for this week. Jennifer, did that give you enough time to? Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess this goes under watch and read. Uh, this week, I, one of the things I have enjoyed about COVID is Zoom classes and Zoom lectures, especially mm-hmm. lectures, because you can just jump in and you can be cooking and you still learn something. So yep. um, it was a professor at Notre Dame, Dionne Irving, gave a talk, a Zoom talk this week on her novel, Quint. And it was about mm-hmm. the Dionne quintuplets. Um, do, you, do you know about yes. these? That is yeah, Rena Bell. So they were, um, during the Great Depression, they, the quintuplets were born in Canada. And mm-hmm. um, they the Canadian government or, uh, you know, some, some subsection that took custody of them and turned them into a tourist attraction. Like they oh, gave them a playground that people would, like busloads of people would come and observe them. And they were kept that way through uh, till they weren't cute anymore, you know, like t- 10, 11, 12. Um, but it really ruined their lives. <laughs> the novel she wrote is Quint from their perspective Ooh, about wow. what that was like. And in her talk, she said something that was really, I think, pretty provocative. She said she was drawing parallels between this sort of um, exploitation of these quintuplets for 
commercial gain with like our Instagram culture where everybody puts their beautiful mm. families every day, constant content about the beautiful kids on display, mm-hmm. on display for, you know, marketing purposes. And yeah. she, it's a pretty tough analogy, but she's suggesting like, is that somewhat equivalent, like selling your, selling your kids and dressing them up for commercial gain. So I thought that was really, really something interesting to think of, especially as somebody who, you know, again, Instagram dinosaur, but I have written about my kids over the years in parenting articles. So yeah, I'm a little guilty. I know (laughs) we go back to the early days of blogging where, I mean, I blogged about my kids until they got old enough to say, don't write about this mommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Stop it. Well, yeah. and, you, and now there's like a, you know, as you, as you know, on Instagram, there's like influencers and they're beautiful kids, beautifully dressed, perfectly photographed. It's, yes. I can see the, some of the parallels. Like, you yeah. Know? yeah. The whole life looks like it fits in this aesthetic. I don't know if it does, but everything mm-hmm. is in a color scheme and every, mm-hmm. everybody is perfectly mm-hmm. coiffed and yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it is a hard, it's a hard line to draw because I made a decision long ago. I mean, I could have been a much more successful mommy blogger if I would have shared pictures of my kids because I got to tell you, I got some cute ass kids, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I never did that. But I did. I would write stories about them, but from my perspective, but they were still... They were still part of the narrative. So, mm-hmm. but it was a really hard line to draw about as far as especially um, now I'm sharing it here again, but I've written an article about when my son was younger, he struggled with childhood apraxia of speech. And so that was something that it required years of intensive verbal therapy or speech therapy. No one who ever met him today would imagine for a second right. that this boy struggled to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's an important story to tell because there are so many people who are in the thick of it who are like, what does it look like 10 years down the road? Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't know that as a 12 year old boy that he wants all his friends at school, you know, being like, oh, what what was wrong with you kind of thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, mm-hmm. It is hard. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's, oh, I don't know. I still can justify that more than I can the pick I don't know some of the ones that are yeah. is so retail it's so mm-hmm. commercial it's so mm-hmm. I don't know I have a really hard time with it but yeah and and for, in talking to therapists and doing pieces on anxiety and etc it it is also creating these this expectation that this is what life should look like as a mom that it right. should be like picture perfect um and the therapist said this isn't just like the the best it's like the best of a thousand photos on the best day not everyday life but it does create more anxiety more pressure on parents to have this instagram ready childhood going on yeah it's pressure for the poster and it's pressure for the people viewing it so Mm -hmm. interesting yeah Yeah. so that was a really interesting talk and i just amazon the book um quinn i I just wrote it down yeah okay yeah (laughs) Um, and then I'm watching YouTube videos on how to paint because I'm painting my bedroom. Uh, I'm, I hate painting, but I'm like, I can do this. Oh, I can do you this. Can if do I... this. Yeah. Okay. You need to listen to like the last month of uh, episodes because I have been having a month long struggle with painting my bedroom. So may- oh. actually, don't listen to that. Listen okay. to that after you're done. <laughs> after. Okay. A month long struggle. Well, now I know what to expect. <laughs> No, I so Suzanne was probably high for several episodes I because was... she was breathing in it, that trim paint fume. Oh Ooh, my God. Trim. No, is we were trying to bring back a 
a bedroom that had been painted. I mean, we're talking walls, trim, ceiling, everything, dark leather brown to wow. a lighter airy room. So I don't think most people have that extreme. They don't need 20 coats to finish off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she painted and painted and painted, oh. but you can paint the walls in a room for sure. I know. Okay. I, yes, you can definitely do it. And I, I painted every inch of every house we've ever lived in. I'm a yeah. Oh. Fan. Yes. Yeah. So if you need any tips, let me know. I'm really good. Do you at need to cut in, in twice? No, no, I only cut in once. Okay. Yeah. And oh, if they tell you, you need to sand stuff, they're a liar. There's primer. There's primer out <laughs> well, there. Well, <laughs> my husband would say you have to sand certain things. He is a purist, but yeah. I have painted over many a thing without much or any sanding. Yes, uh, I know. But That's walls for sure. Yeah. Just cut in once and then. Okay. Thank you. And you can get pretty Don't, close the second time. Yeah. You Don't just saved me several hours. Them. Don't bother washing them either. Unless they're super dirty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, no. Wow. Primer this is a time-saving Dust mop them. Spend <laughs> money. Like... Spend money on the primer. I will. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. giving an ad for Benjamin Moore here because every painter that I have used for professional stuff always recommends them. And it, the day I changed from a, another brand of paint to Benjamin Moore, I was just like, it like changed the game. I was like, this mm -hmm. isn't even painting this is like it was so different um although i have uh, mentioned on a previous episode that the supply is out the just because of the supply yeah. chain issues oh. ingredients that they need for paint um are not readily available so it was a sourcing issue of like having to drive way to another uh benjamin moore location in order to get you know some had semi-gloss some had eggshell some had that like it was wow. just not wow. everything crazy. So make sure you get your paint. Getting your paint is the hardest part of painting. This day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, all right. So Leslie, what have I been looking at? I have been looking at Severance, which is a mm -hmm. new show on Apple TV. So the idea is that these people can choose to surgically divide. They get an implant and it divides who they are between, they like they call it their outie and their innie. So the person who lives outside of the office and then the person who's inside of the office mm. and like the process of taking the elevator down is when you go and then you change into this work person or your so outside scary. person. Um, and so, oh my gosh. And it's Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. Who's just so funny. He's the main character and it's his like best friend from his any his work life mysteriously disappears one day so he's gone so they're struggling with like oh we miss pd um but then in his outside life pd is there and he has unsevered himself and oh. is trying to communicate this to this guy and patricia arquette is the mean lady who oversees everything but she's got the most amazing she let her hair gray or she dyed it gray i don't know amazing anybody who's questioning whether or not to grow it out like she out just, Patricia. Mm. yeah she looks better than i've ever seen her look it looks mm -hmm. amazing oh wow but yeah so it's just this very interesting the reason he had decided to sever himself is because his wife had died and he just didn't want to feel the pain anymore mm. and so he's like at least for half of my life i can be you know clueless of this pain and living this alternate life downstairs but the lady who came and took over for PD is just not into it at all. And she keeps on like trying to, like she was going to cut her fingers off as a sign to her Audi that I do not like this job. <laughs> like she's been trying everything to get out of it. She made a video to send to her Audi. And then her Audi sent one back and was like, if you ever try to cut my fingers off again, like so, <laughs> so her Audi is not so it's nice. really like two different. It people. is two different people fighting each other. And it is just so dark and it is, 
Um, it's done by Ben Stiller. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's cutting the fingers. <laughs> no, but that was her thing to get to make the video of herself because you know, Patricia Arquette just was not having it. Like, oh, and that's the other thing. You can't write notes to yourself. Oh, like, so you can't communicate. There's some type of alarm that goes off and like, yeah. So, I mean, she's tried everything. So she was like, I got to make a video. Um, let's see. And then, yeah, so it's by Ben Stiller, which is just so funny because kind of like you were saying the humor in the darkness, Missy, mm -hmm. <laughs> like talk about showing how the funniest people can also have usually pretty deep, twisty too, dark sides yeah. too. So yeah. yeah, that has been, uh, awesome and then listening i am not listening to it but i think i should based on the success headspace sleep casts so my son yep. has been having a hard time sleeping for i don't know a year it seemed but it's been like even more in the past few months and so we've been doing everything we've been doing deep breathing and i spritz him with lavender before we go to bed and we'll you know all kinds of stuff and he's still, you know, my husband and I'd be downstairs watching TV and like an hour later, he'll just come walking through and eh, just getting a glass of water. you know, <laughs> to go. Mm -hmm. So finally, I think I, someone had mentioned Headspace and I was looking at mm -hmm. it for just uh, guided meditations. Mm -hmm. But then I saw they had a channel on there called Sleepcasts, which are just stories. One of them's read by John Legend, but there are stories yep about apparently, I mean, one of them's a flower shop. One of them's a, you know, yep. oh, he liked the one that was called Cat Marina. And then there's Cat Marina too. Um, and the same thing happens to me. I listen to my books trying not to fall asleep and right. fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, we did the free trial. And then I saw this bill come through that was like $50 for a year. It's expensive. Yeah. Oh my God. I would pay that every, every night yeah. to mm -hmm. have him get the sleep that mm -hmm. he's getting. And it's so funny. Wow. The, also a benefit is I only have it on my phone. Cause I said, can I trust you with your phone in your room? And he's like, no, you can't. No, you <laughs> I said, okay, mm -hmm. good. it's good to know this about yourself. So I have it on my phone. So it takes my phone away from me at night, not oh, overnight, see, but like, but well, you know, oh, just while yeah. we're Twofer. watching TV or whatever. Yeah. So I have but he has my phone captive in his room while he listens to this sleep cast. That's kind of great. I, we've had a hundred percent success rate wow. for over a month now. Wow. Um, and the so, call map has those as well. And they have a bunch of them, a bunch, I don't know, a handful of yeah. stories that are train journeys. And mm -hmm. so it's just, you board the train and it talks about what it's like in the train and what you see from the windows. I have never gotten to the end of a train journey. Oh, like, <laughs> I wouldn't even start, make it in just, the train. It's so soothing. And you're like, they'll, you know, they you can kind of hear the tracks. Like it's yes. just like out love a train journey. Yes. Oh, great. I'm going to try those. Yeah. And oh, I, so and good. they have so many other things too, that I need to do. They have, you know, wake up meditations. They have midday oh. meditations. They have all kinds of different things. So really the whole family can use it. And yeah, it makes you give up your phone at night. So you can't, I can only do scroll through CNN. I, I can't do it, do my do it more. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and then the stories are great because you can't probably be worried while you're listening to a story. You can't be thinking your right. own thoughts yes. while you're on a train journey. Yeah. And there, yeah. I mean, there are these, uh, yeah, the cat Marina is like, and then the cat gets on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, even I am like, I got to get, cause I'll set play and then I'll leave his bedroom. I'm like, I feel like I can't even get out of the room sometimes. I'm like, I'm already sleepy. <laughs> so, yeah, so highly recommend. Uh, but I also highly recommend again, find your joy y'all. Yes. Uh, such, I mean, even 
I, I do every page, do every exercise, but even like Missy said, just having it on your desk, is just mm-hmm. so pretty. So yeah, yeah, get it just to bring you a little bit of joy of looking. Speaking at of it aesthetic, it probably looks nice in your room. Yes, <laughs> it does. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you. It was a joy to be here. Oh, well, th- yes. Thank you so much. We know how it's busy fun. you are. And it's of good. course we've kept you a couple minutes late. So we appreciate you being it's with our us specialty. today. Well, I got, I, I got paint tips and yes. relaxation tips. Yeah. So it was well worth it. Exactly. We just cut your painting time in half. No, no <laughs> prep work, just really expensive primer. <laughs> yeah, just let that paint on the wall. <laughs> and All in right. between coats, just wrap your brush in um, saran wrap yes. okay. or your roller. Yeah. And, and okay. put, you can put it over the tray too. Like you don't have to clean everything up clean and you don't have to yeah. worry about it drying. I've... Just saran wrap it and oh stick them in the fridge. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to seriously send you a picture. I still have one from like two weeks ago that is still right next to my sink in my bathroom. Uh, it's still, it's perfectly moist still perfect. in the saran wrap. Oh, wow. yep. oh yeah. great advice. Yeah. 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 Saves you a ton of cleanup time. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to clean up until you are finished. Done, 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 done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you have any other questions, just send us a note. <laughs> Apparently we're professional painters. We should hire ourselves yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. We work from like 9 PM to 1 AM. And we're semi tipsy. And we listen we to our yeah. stuff pretty loud. Let's put a show on in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, we're gonna finally let you go. But thank yes, you. Yes, we so gotta run. Much. Thank you. Time. So nice to meet you. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.